one report. All right, here we go. Welcome to the On Track and Field podcast. As always, I'm JT Ayers, your host. Hey, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. And you know, I hope you get something out of this as much as we do. We really enjoy doing these podcasts. And I enjoy promoting On Track and Field. They're friends of mine. I love working with them. They've made me part of their company, but I'm also a head coach. I need to ensure that my athletes have the best of the best so they can have the best opportunity to succeed. And is that what we all want? And you can just be your casual runner. On Track and Field actually has things for you as well. Go buy some Topo shoes. Listen to a past podcast about what Topo shoes even are. You should go and get what you need from the ontrackandfield.com. You will not regret it. In fact, if you're still listening, and I know you are because our podcasts aren't that long, go and just leave us a comment. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Subscribe, click and download, do whatever you need to do. We're on every platform. But we would love to hear feedback from you and how we can make this podcast better. And if it's all words of affirmation, we'll take that as well. With me today is Dr. Joel Brenner. He's a medical doctor, or sorry, rather medical director, as well as a doctor in the Children's Hospital of the Keene's Daughter Sports Medicine Program and the director of the hospital's sports concussion, dance medicine, which sounds awesome, running and the mind and body fitness coaching program. Yeah, I know. Who's going to go get their doctorate now? Those are amazing things. He recently co-authored a really interesting clinical report published in pediatrics that I found, I read, and I was like, I need to reach out to him. And he got right back to me. This is the title. Get ready for this. Overuse injuries, overtraining, and burnout in young athletes. Now, if that's not every single parent, coach in America, something that really is near and dear to the heart, I don't know what is. So we're really excited to have him on. Dr. Brenner, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, th- thanks for in- inviting me. Glad to be here. Um, all right, let's start with this. Why'd you write this report? What made you think that this was something that people needed to know about? So this report actually is a revision and update of our 2007 clinical report through the American Academy of Pediatrics. And my co-author, Andrew Watson, and I wanted to look at the literature and the evidence that has accrued over the past 17 years and to see if anything's changed and to make sure we're giving proper guidance to parents, athletes, and coaches regarding this subject. That makes a lot of sense. And obviously... Well, how about this? I'm in Southern California. You're in Virginia. It doesn't really matter where we are. This is a something, a topic that is definitely something that people need to know more about. So there's one thing I really wanted to talk to you at the very beginning of this podcast, because I'm just so interested in hearing your expert opinion on is you use the word uh, professionalization of youth sports. And you're saying this is almost widely responsible for injury, overtraining and burnout. What do you mean by that professionalization? So professionalization, we're talking about kids really are being, in some instances, treated as professional athletes, um, except for the fact that they're not paid. But um, they're training like this is their job. Um, Families have to pay for some of their training. um, And just the volume of their training really exceeds what it used to be. Um, you know, it's a lot less free play where kids would go outside and do pickup games or just run around uh, the park and, and on their own, uh, not organized by adults. Um, instead, uh, it's a lot more of adult organized activities. So what's the problem with that? I mean, isn't that aren't coaches and, and adults way smarter than kids? Aren't, no, I know I'm playing devil's advocate. Aren't we giving them the best training that they need? 
It, so that's a, a great question. So first and foremost, I want to say that parents and coaches are not um, the problem. Um, they can definitely be the solution. All right. So a lot of times parents and coaches get thrown under the bus and they say it's all, all a parent or coach problem. But um, it is really the bottom line is it's a youth sports culture problem. And it stems really from the professional leagues down to the NCAA, all the and everything trickles down to high schools, middle schools, um, and there. So, I think the important thing is that parents and coaches and all adults involved, they always want the best thing for their kids, but sometimes they just need more knowledge uh, and more support too. A lot of parents are just looking and, and just starved for the proper information when, when they see me in the office and their child has a overuse injury and, and they want to know how to prevent it. And we talk about some of these guidelines. Um, they want to know what, what to do and how they can advocate for their child and then how they can go back to their organization and their coach and talk to them about prevention and, and how they can actually um, prevent this, not just in their own child, but other kids in the organization seems like physical therapy places are just full of overuse injuries with softball and volleyball and soccer and, you know, football. And these are all things that are happening. And physical therapists are definitely making a lot of money from these 11 and 12 year olds in their office. So what advice do you give to a dad who happens to host a podcast that has four children of his own? And I just don't see any, oh, there is no free play anymore. It's, I have to get my athletes and my little kids into organized sports because that's where the good coaching is that's where the good culture is i mean what what advice do you have for someone like me that wants the best for their little ones but yet i also want them to aspire for great things so i think you need to really i would say first talk to each individual child and see what their interests are because we want it to be the child's motivation that gets them going into sports um and then always make sure that you're rechecking with them periodically to make sure they're still having fun and they're still interested. And when they are young, ideally, you want them to be playing multiple sports to get exposed to a variety of sports, because if they focus on one sport too soon, they might miss out on a sport that they're good at and that they really love. Um, so I think having that communication, I think um, organized sports do play an important role in physical activity. Uh, there's a lot of benefits from organized sports, but also free play has a role too. So we, we wanna find a happy medium where kids are playing organized sports, uh, but we also wanted to make sure that that organized sports is also affordable for all kids. Um, that it's, you know, that financial reasons do not hold kids back from playing organized sports. And then also having time for them to do free play or, or just other activities too. You know, they, they might want to still do drama, do art, um, just go out for hikes um, and just be. Um, so I, I think we have to find that balance. The funny thing, how many people want their athletes or their, their children to be professional athletes rather than just kind of incredible people with character in a well, you know, it's just like just thriving in society. And I'm also noticing that some of the things you're advocating in this report, this is what we're seeing professionals do. And they're being called outliers. 
the Steph Curry's that are having more fun in their training, the Patrick Mahomes and his coach, Bobby Stroop doing really like fun and never really doing the same thing ever once or more than once. Uh, Christian McCaffrey with his coach, Brian Kula, who are friends of mine. And they're, they're doing things that are different and that they're almost more intentional play. Is that what you're advocating for? Just more intentional play regardless of the age? Right. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of professional athletes who are on board with the message that we're trying to get across. And so they're great role models uh, with that too. So, I mean, if you look at the athletes, all the professional athletes have at least one day off a week, if not two, they all have an off season where they're recovering. But if you look at our youth athletes, a lot of them are playing year round, no time off, um, no significant time off, and, and oftentimes six, seven days a week. So we don't expect that of the professional athletes who might be making millions of dollars, um, who are entertaining of us. So why are we expecting it of the young athletes who are still growing, who has bones and muscles that are still developing, they're mentally still developing, so I think they they can be great role models from there. And, and that's what's nice to see with some of the professional athletes coming out on social media um, with just play and uh, talking about the importance of sleep and, and everything else and, and mindfulness. They're talking about that, too. I definitely want to come back to that sleep um, topic because you it's the entire report is just littered with that over and over and over again. But. In your report, I want to quote, you say children should do no more than one sport per day. That's organized sport. Ensure at least one day of rest per week of all organized sport activities, as well as two to three months off sport per year. I mean, it sounds like a Sabbath on a Sunday and a two to three summer break. Is that what you're saying is good for all athletes? So just to clarify, yes, we're saying at least one day off per week. And that can be any any day off um, with that. And then that two to three months off throughout the year, it doesn't have to be a consecutive two to three months off. It can be a month here, a month there. It can be broken up during that time. We're not saying that they should just sit on the couch and play video games. So we still want kids to be physically active throughout the year, meet all the guidelines. But they can do um, another sport. They can do free play. They can do other activities. They can go on you know, families need time to also go on vacation together and, and be a family. And those vacations can be active vacations. Um, I mean, it sounds like you, you've got a very active family. So, you know, going on, on a hiking trip and getting out in nature. So they're still getting physically active, but they're not getting the pressure of organized sports. Funny um, how much of this is a rebel talent type of outlier. I mean, it just seems like common sense to me, but yet it almost feels like America has turned into this more is better. The grind is better. Let's, if you're, if it's one of those mantras, if you know, you're not working, someone else is, but you speak of overuse injury and one of the significant causes is lack of sleep. Um, I, I have, you know, a, a fourth grader, two sixth graders, an eighth grader, and I teach freshmen and I coach high school these kids don't sleep. Is that what you're seeing over in Virginia as well? Is, why is that a cause of overuse? Why is sleep so important? Yeah, I, I, we're, we're seeing that across the country and, and even in other countries too. Um, so 
sleep allows the body to to recover uh, both physically and mentally it, you know the brain during sleep um it it really kind of uh almost washes out some of the um trash that it accumulates so to speak matthew walker wrote a great, great book of um, why we sleep highly recommend it um but sleep should be a part of everyone's training regimen um I mean, you've seen that the professional athletes do commercials about sleep and its importance um, and how other athletes have, you know, made sure they get a good night's sleep before a competition or even during the day. Um, so when we don't get enough sleep, though, mentally, we are not at our top of our game and same with physically and our body can break down and we're more likely to get injuries. Um so yeah, it's um, it's it's important for athletes and and obviously non-athletes. We all know if we didn't get a good night's sleep before, we just don't feel as well. We might be cranky and we might not be as sharp. Um, and it's same thing for an athlete. Yeah, and you in your in the report, athletes that define themselves as quote I'm using air quotes on a podcast athletes <laughs> in fear of failure. Um, you, you you were saying in the report you were finding that when athletes define themselves as athlete above all else um that's a that's a sign of a problem um what do you mean by all that well a lot of athletes just their identity is wrapped in their sport so they see themselves as just a gymnast or just as a a runner or just as a soccer player and the problem is when, if they get injured or something interferes with them participating or when their career is over, um, then they're left with this void. Um, and so we want to teach kids that they're more than just one thing. They're more than just an athlete. They're a person with many skills, many positives. Um, and we, you know, we, we don't want them to be afraid of, of failing uh, because we a lot of times kids are afraid of failing because also the pressure that they get externally from possibly coaches or, or parents um, or even teammates, too. So in order for us to get better at any activity, uh, whether it's sports or it's a new hobby, we need to fail and we learn from our failures. Um and, and so we all need to be comfortable with our failures and, and learn from them. And a lot of times we, we don't give youth athletes that out and that ability to say, it's okay. Uh, today wasn't my day. Hmm. That's great. It's really great to hear. That's really affirming and encouraging. Was there anything while you were doing, especially the update to the study, and you can refer back to the original one um, where you were just really kind of genuinely surprised by some of the findings. You know, I, I think a lot of the our recommendations have are similar to our original recommendations, which is reassuring. Um, you know, there, there's in the past 17 years, there's been a lot more research that has been done on overuse injuries and overscheduling. We still need more research on burnout in young athletes. There's a lot in adults. It's just not as much in kids. Um, I think m more... Over the past 10 years, there's been more research and even the five years just on the, the mental health of athletes and mental skills training and, um, 
and how mindfulness and other activities can help from that standpoint. Um, so the, the other thing that it touches on was endurance sports. And it really reaffirmed with some of the research that endurance sports with proper training, per, proper guidance can be okay for youth athletes if that's what they want to do. And that's interesting too, because there's some myths and maybe maybe depends on case by case where endurance athletes, aerobic athletes can have issues with stunting their growth or hitting puberty too late or being underdeveloped because they ran too much too early. Um, do you have any experience with that? Yeah, you know, our colleague, Dr. Bill Roberts, um, who's been a marathon director for over 20 years, has done a lot of research on children running marathons. And in in his experience, and he's published it, um, children are, are less likely, in most cases, from running a marathon to be injured than adults. The, the caveat is, one, it's the child that needs to be motivated and wants to do it. It's not driven by the parent or coach that they need to be under the, the guidance and, and supervision of them, uh, their pediatrician or healthcare provider to make sure they're developing. Okay. Make sure they're getting proper nutrition, proper sleep. Um, and to make sure along the way that they're not having any problems like burnout or anxiety, um, with it. So it can be done safely. Um, it's also, that's a sport that, you know, doesn't take a lot of money. You don't need a lot mm -hmm. of equipment. And so kids in all communities could participate in that more. Yeah. I mean, and that's a lifelong endeavor. Being a runner, a distance runner is something and you're biased because you are a distance runner. You can do that the rest of your life and all the benefits that come with that, including not just physically, but the mental side of it as well. Um, I'll speak from experience. My wife doesn't go for a run. She's a different person. So we're very eager for her to go for runs so she can come back and be very patient with the rest of us because she needs it. Yeah, no, it's true. You know, the, the thing that I like about running is that, you know, I started running when I was about 13 or so and, um, you know, a little bit older now, about 40-ish years later, uh, <laughs> still able to run. Um, and I hope to be able to run uh for, you know, for many years to come. But if some of the sports that kids do when they're younger, at some point, those sports end. You don't, you don't see many 50-year-olds who are cheerleaders um, or many 60-year-olds who are football players. Um, so, you know, it's important to sports, organized sports, give us these lifelong physical activity skills. And that's where if you're doing multiple sports, you learn multiple skills that translate into other areas. Um, and then you can do them when you're 50 or 60 or 70. It's almost like you're just advocating about what sport should be and how too many people, parents, society, culture has moved it towards something it shouldn't be. You know, it's, we're not trying to make professionals. We're trying to sport has a, is a means to an end. And the, and the end is it's teaching you life lessons. It's teaching you to be healthy. It's allowing your mind to flourish and it's helping you in all facets of life. And it's just part of you. Um, it's a funny thing for a doctor to be writing those things. And yet I can't think of anyone better. Well, I, I mean, you really hit a bullseye right there. That's what we've been trying to do over the past 20 years is, as I said earlier, it, it's a youth sports culture problem. The culture has changed. And so 
through the American Academy of Pediatrics, my other organization, American Medical Society of Sports Medicine, collaborating with other organizations like the Aspen Institute, just trying to work, you know, grassroots and changing and working with national governing bodies to kind of change the way youth sports is because, um, you know, I, I can do what I can do in my office, one athlete, one family at a time, but it's really much bigger than that. So, and, and that's where I was excited to, to get onto your podcast to really spread this word because we've been trying to spread it for 20 years now and we need to continue to spread it and hopefully more people will catch on. Well, Dr. Brenner, you don't understand. There's a lot of money to be had in youth sports and some of us need to make money. By the way, that's not me. I don't make any money in youth sports. But um, I mean, you're doing the good Lord's work. I, I can tell you that. I heard a coach, a very prominent Division One college coach in a clinic with thousands of people in there. And he said, when they get to me, that fire they used to have is now barely a flickering pilot light. And he's like, when I recruit, I need to figure out who's still excited and anxious. And like, this, it's something that they, it's a passion for them. And he's like, it's hard to find that because the really, really good ones won't be that good in a couple of years later because they've been doing it since they were four or five and it's not fun anymore. Um, that's a really sad state of affairs. Well, and so, yes, they can lose the passion. They can burn out and not really love it anymore. And, and they, that can happen in high school. I mean, I see it in 14 and 15 year olds. But a friend of mine was just telling me yesterday, a uh, high profile Division One uh, coach had said that, you know, they have a lot of injuries this year on their team. And he suspects that's because they all came in with a lot of injuries before they entered college. So a history of injuries uh, is also a risk factor for additional injuries. So that's where we need we need the moderation. We need to balance out training load or volume along with recovery, uh, both from the physical and the mental aspect. Let me ask you a question. Just kind of, I did not. I just it's just coming in my mind, and I just am really anxious about asking you this. Is we have a lot of eighth grade holdbacks. We have kids that have gone through and they're doing eighth grade again, and it's purely sports reasons. In fact, we have schools down the street that are not even accredited because they're only there to exist at $22,000 a year to give you all the training you need so you can grow and mature. And so when you enter high school, you're that much better. In fact, we're not just having holdbacks, we're having double holdbacks as well. Um, is that something that you've seen? Is that, do you have an opinion about all of that? Am I out of left field by saying that's, that's crazy? Well, you know, I, I, I have started to see it uh, just in our community over the past couple of years where kids have been held back for athletics as the only reason. And I would have to question the uh, if that really is the best thing for, for their child, both physically and emotionally. Um, I think we need to remember that there's a it, it, the percentage of kids who make it to college on a college scholarship or even play college sports is, is, is not that high and even lower for professional athletes, for high school athletes to be professional. It's less than 1%. So if you, you know, have your kid in sports to become a professional athlete, the, the chances are pretty slim. And, and what we also know is that if you're paying for training and, and doing all these things, holding kids back to try to get a college scholarship. Um, and the amount of money that you invest over those years 
um, you could put that money in the bank, save it, and and they will. You'll be able to pay for college because the chances of them getting a scholarship are not very high. Now there are going to be some people who succeed who do get do get the scholarship, but the majority don't, um, and, and they will then have the the bad effects of the intensive training and the pressure that's put on the families. Um, some of them can't afford the cost of it, but just even if you can, just the time pressures of shuttling kids to different practices, um, and it, it definitely uh, affects the whole family as a unit. I love it. Um, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. I mean, this I, I guarantee you the comments we're going to get is more. That's not enough. So maybe we'll have to have you on the next time you start publishing good things for families. And um, I just can't thank you enough. Now, where else can we go and find more? Or, I mean, you even emailed me further, you know, clinical reports. And you're saying there's more stuff out there. Here's some recommendations and prevention and treatment. Um, can you let the audience know other places they can go or even just follow you and find more information? Sure. Well, um, you could go to the American Academy of Pediatrics, AAP.org, or also uh, chkd.org. And uh, if you put in there uh, mindfulness coaching, you'll find out more about our, our mindfulness program. Um, and there's links to um, other, uh, other articles. And uh, feel free to also just reach out to me personally. I'm happy to... Uh, to touch base and answer again, my, at this point in my life, my mission is to really just try to help uh, change things, make things better uh, for kids overall, both physically and mentally. And I, I can't tell you uh, um, how grateful I am for you to give me this opportunity to be on this podcast. Oh, I'm, I'm grateful. You just made me a better dad. So appreciate it. It's, kind of, it's me feeling very mutual. Um, you know, who also loves children is uh, Steve Ringold of on track and uh, and RelayBatons.com is CEO of both those companies. Uh, it's a family-run company. They power this podcast. They're giving us platforms to even get this thing out here. And uh, just go to those websites. In fact, stick around. Listen to Steve and his beautiful voice, and he'll let you know how to get in contact with them on social media and beyond. So thank you so much, Dr. Brenner, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the On Track and Field podcast with this week's guest, Dr. Joel Brenner. The On Track and Field podcast is powered by RelayBatons.com. Custom engraved meat and competition legal relay batons, water bottles and tumblers. Great for team branding, fundraisers, meat awards and coaches gifts. And by OnTrackAndField.com, your one-stop source for all things cross-country and track and field related. Competition gear, spikes, training equipment and shoes. OnTrackAndField.com has everything you need, including our new pull vault and high jump landing systems designed by jumpers for jumpers. Check them out online or give us a call for a free quote. And make sure to check out our new website, OnTrackRunning.com, your new source for competition and training shoes featuring Saucony, Brooks, On Running, New Balance, Asics, and Hoka Shoes and Spikes, OnTrackRunning.com. And make sure to follow us on our socials at OnTrack, the letter N, field, at OnTrack and Field on Twitter and the Gram. 